Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis, Jason Campbell here, ready to break down all things Auburn. We've got quite a lot to talk about today. Jason and I were actually just getting into it before we started recording, and I realized we should probably start recording because we have a lot to say. We're, of course, going to recap the win over Tennessee from this past weekend. And, uh, oh, yeah, that that big game, the Iron Bowl, you know, that little thing happens to be upon us already. I feel like it snuck up on all of us, but we're going to preview the matchup with Alabama. And there's also a lot of basketball news that's been coming out today, so we're going to make sure and touch on that as well as season is about to tip off literally. But anyway, we are so glad that you have joined us for this well-rounded episode of All Things Auburn Athletics. And it's Thanksgiving week as well, which is always fun. And I hope all of our listeners are going to get some time with family and have some good food. Uh, Jay, I I know this is a a beloved holiday of yours because it's (laughs) surrounding food. And I know how much you love food. I tell you what, I do not shy around away from the table this time of the year. <laughs> um, I do all my dieting by about three weeks up to the week of Thanksgiving. And then I okay. would diet again for about three weeks after until Christmas Got comes. It. So I'm trying to make way for, <laughs> make room as people say. I fully support it. You know, this is not the time of deprivation, especially in 2020, man. You, everyone eat and enjoy and have multiple desserts because we all freaking deserve it. But now that I'm good and hungry, it's time to dive (laughs) into some football talk because our Tigers got a win this past week. I'm not going to lie. I felt like it was, it was pretty likely that that was going to be the result. And what was also pretty likely is that it was going to be a sluggish start. And that is for sure what happened, because as we all know, this team went three weeks without a game. There was the shutdown from COVID-19 outbreak that caused the facilities to be closed. And as Gus Malzahn said, the team was sleepwalking a little bit at the beginning. And Jason, I certainly want to get your input on that since you were there and you were able to see it. But as a viewer, it seemed very evident that the team needed to kind of get back in the groove a little bit. And, and we anticipated that that was going to be the case because as much preparation as you do as an individual, getting out of the game rhythm for two consecutive weeks, it wasn't just like a bye week. This was a complete halt to season. It's almost inevitable that it was going to take a little bit of time. And it certainly did. I, I felt like it showcased itself more on the offensive side, which is interesting, uh, specifically for Bo Nix. In the first quarter, he was only completing 29% of his passes. But after that, he was at a 79% completion percentage. So what did you see in terms of everyone getting back into a rhythm and the slow start? Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it does. Um, when you think about it, when you, we had a rhythm and we had a rhythm going into the, what I say, after the LSU game, let's just say for over right. and LSU game, our offense looked like it was figuring things out. And it seemed mm-hmm. like the coach Chad Morris was, was doing a really good job of putting his pieces into place to make plays. And he understood what he had as an offensive unit and, and what guys can do and what their specialties. And I do feel like heading into the Tennessee game that we lost some of that that lackluster. Uh, we started a game off. We was kind of trying to feel our, figure our way out. Um, but I give Tennessee credit. Like Tennessee came mm-hmm. out and they ran the football and they kept the ball away from us for a long period of, of, of minutes. And when you do that – and your team goes out there, if you go three and out or you have two drives and you go six plays and you're out, and then you don't develop that rhythm, and especially when the team is holding the ball for six minutes as your opponent by running the ball a lot, 
it can it, it makes you start to pressure a little bit about like okay somebody got to step up and make a play because you're looking at the first quarter like oh man we only got like nine and ten plays like you know it's hard to find your right. rhythm but once the game got going and the offense got kicked in and they found their rhythm um we was able to have success and 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 that was typical. Like we expected that. We talked about it last week that you know this team needs to start fast and, yep. and everything, come out with some intensity because if you don't, you will come out flat. And it almost cost us in a way because let's face it, we did not stop the run. Like their kid yeah. Bray had about a hundred and eighty some yards rushing, uh touchdown. In mm-hmm. Tennessee, I'm pretty sure the offense coordinators are getting fussed out today because I don't understand it. The way that they was running the ball against our, our defense and they get inside the 10 to 15-yard line and they decide to throw a pass with a quarterback that's already kind of mm-hmm. suspect and they get a pick six that goes back the other way for us by Smoke Monday. It really, that's a play that turned the whole game because they had momentum. Totally. And they they had everything on their side at that standpoint. And um, so, you know, big yeah. play by us, but another mess up by Tennessee. Questionable calls. I totally agree with you. And honestly, that's where, you know, Tennessee fans and followers look to Jeremy Pruitt with confusion because you're absolutely right. In the same drive that they are finding so much success with Eric Gray running the ball, they don't commit to the run. They then put Garantano in an opportunity where he could likely make a mistake. And I I didn't understand the logic behind that. If it's working, why are you deviating from it? The results of this game, by the way, I don't think I said it, was 30-17. to 17. And while a win is a win, and Gus Malzahn loves to say a win is a win, I don't think this was convincing enough. I really don't. And I don't think that it's uh, a reflection of the caliber of team. I think that Auburn is a much better team than Tennessee in 30-17. to 17. It shouldn't have been that close. And I think that on Auburn's part, there were a few mistakes that could have been very costly. Bo Nix actually threw his first interception ever in Jordan-Hare. But in a way, you, you at least can have that behind you and you don't have that looming anymore. And also, of course, a big blow to us was the injury of Tank Bigsby. He went out early. He tried to come back in, clearly was not able to go. But a lot of credit to Sean Shivers and DJ Williams. They did really well when called upon. And I think that's what you want to happen when your your core guy goes down. And I'm glad that we have found our guy in Tank Bigsby. But seeing these other two guys get the opportunity to step up and our run game still was flourishing even without Tank, that's a sign of a very cohesive unit on the offensive side. How, how do you think they both fared? Yeah, I think Showers and DJ uh, did their best. I think uh, Carnell said it best. So he said, look, we're, we're a, a room that is full of talent. And if one guy goes down, we have two other guys that can step up and, and can and, and take the ropes by and keep going. Like it's not like we fall off when the when Tank went out. It's almost like, hey, we just stay the course. And you know, people don't realize how hard Showers can run. Like Showers may be a little guy, but he brings it. And when you hit him, he does. <laughs> like it's almost like hitting a, a small stump or something. You know, I'm not calling you a stump, Showers. <laughs> I'm just putting an analogy. <laughs> but like. Yeah. It's almost like he doesn't get knocked back. You get knocked back. And, right. and I think guys get caught off by surprise when they come up to hit him. They think it's just going to be, oh, I'm about to go knock him out. Now, all of a sudden, they end up taking a big blunt of the, the hit. And 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 then he and people take notice. But Showers is a guy that, uh, like I said, people better keep an eye out. Like he, He's definitely a great complimentary back to Tank. And then when you look at DJ Williams, when he came in the game, he always finds a way to fall forward. 
Like I haven't mm-hmm. hardly ever seen this kid get tackled for a loss unless they got him as soon as the ball got there. But once the ball is in his hand and he gets a chance to get moving, he's always going to fall forward. And that's what you want out of a running back. And so I don't yeah. think like, yes, we will miss tank if he can't go this week, but we still have two capable bats to get the job done. Now, the biggest part for me is like you talk about, we lose two offensive linemen where we are already down one starter. So the guys is opening these holes for these running backs is our biggest concern because mm-hmm. you need them against this Alabama defense and we can't afford three and outs with the type of offense that they have. We have got to sustain drives and we have got to do it by running the football, using some of the clock, hitting play action pass and staying on the field. So this is a game that is critical that uh, we have a lot of those guys up front to get back healthy. I completely agree. And those offensive tackles that you're referring to are Alec Jackson and Brodarius Ham. Them, along with Tank Bigsby, were unable to complete this past week's game. And Malzahn has told reporters uh, at this point he would say all three are considered questionable. Obviously, the closer to Saturday we get, we'll probably get more information on their status, how much they've been practicing, things like that. We obviously hope all three of them are able to go because, as we all know, we're going to need all hands on deck to face this Alabama team. But we're going to break down that one here in a little bit. Still want to follow up on some other offensive production and, and get your input on how you think the pass game has been evolving throughout the season. As you look at the course of the season and kind of where we are now and, and how things started and Bo Nix and the line and all of it together, how would you grade where the pass game is right now? Uh, I would give the pass game probably a, a great B. And the reason I say say that is okay. because, you know, we have found a way lately to start, you know, getting the ball to the tight ends somewhat. You know, mm-hmm. even though a lot of it is when Bo is scrambling and he see the guy on the sideline, he get, he gets he gets in the ball. But I right. still – once we start to hit those intermediate routes on a consistent basis, then that's when I elevate the passing game even more. But right now I would just say mm-hmm. it's it's – it's in a good place. Like it's in a good place. Like we we're taking shots down the field. Uh, like I said, Swartz mm-hmm. ended up getting another 51 yard touchdown pass. But like I said, that was a blown coverage because all he did was line up in the slot and run straight down the field on a seam route. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know what the nickel and what the safety was thinking. So, but it, yeah, it's not his fault. I'm just like, guys, this is not peewee football. Like this, he just lined up totally. in the slot and he just ran straight. <laughs> so, you know, but that being said, I like the way we're getting guys involved other than just our main guy, Seth Williams. You know, anytime you can get other guys involved, it opens up your main receiver. And and Seth Mm -hmm. caught some balls that wasn't all the way down the field. He caught a couple option routes sudden low. He caught a couple dig routes that was critical. He caught one third down dig route over the middle of the field that was critical. And like I said, the catch down the sideline, he caught it. But then when he hit the ground, they showed the one replay. You can see where the ball moved. Bobbled a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, but great, great job on him though. Other than that, if he was in bounds and it bobbled like that, it still would have been a touchdown. But the fact that he was out of bounds made it different. But right. you know, I say in, in both, and the reason I give him a B now because he's staying in the pocket more than he's was doing earlier in the year, and yep. when he does, when he do escape. He does it with a purpose. Like when he escapes now, right. he gets out of the pocket and he's not just pressing the sideline to sideline. He gets out of the pocket and he's already looking at one or two guys and he delivers the ball. And I will say probably say seven or eight of his passes this past weekend was off a scramble, just getting outside the pocket a little bit 
But when he got out, he yeah. threw the ball really quick, and it was an easy completion, and, and it kept the chains moving. So he's making better decisions in that area. That's why I would say I give us a B right now because we're a lot further ahead than we were in that South Carolina game and uh, as far as our pass yeah. offense. I, I definitely would agree with you. I think that that one was kind of the turning point, especially for Bo Nix. Now, the line did allow two sacks for a loss of 13 yards, and that is certainly going to be a point of emphasis this week because that Alabama front is going to try and get after Bo and get him back into that habit of escaping the pocket, trying to evade pressure, and then making frantic decisions on the run. That's what they've seen him do early in the season. That's what they're going to try and get him doing again this week. But that line has to stand strong and give him the opportunity to make those smart, composed decisions, even against an elite front that Alabama has. But let's talk defense real quick, and then we'll talk about the Tide a little bit more. Three different defensive linemen had sacks this week. Want to give a shout-out to them for that. Twelve tackles for Owen Papo, a really impressive day, adding on to just a really impressive season for this guy. And, of course, like you've mentioned, Smoke Monday with that beautiful 100-yard return on a pick six. That was just a thing of beauty. Now, like we have mentioned, they really struggled against the run. Tennessee rushed for 222 yards. If you allow Alabama to have comparable numbers in their rushing game, knowing the pass attack that they're going to match with a guy like Mac Jones, we're going to find ourselves in some deep water. So what did you see on the defensive side of the ball? Obviously, I just highlighted a lot of the good, but what needs to tighten up as we head into the Iron Bowl? Yeah, you did, you did a great job, Taylor, of telling us what we did great. And that's Smoke Monday's second 100-yard receiving, I mean, second 100-yard interception touchdown return. Like, you know, he's mm-hmm. quickly making a name for himself. Now, our problem is Coach Steele probably went in, punched a hole in the wall. Um, a couple <laughs> other guys, Coach Rod Gardner probably slammed his phone against the against the table. And while they smiling that we happy we won, Oh, they're teed off. They are teed mm-hmm. off because the worst thing to a defensive staff is getting the ball ran down your throat. And it's yeah. almost like someone's picking on you and and mm-hmm. daring you to stop it, and they continue to just do it and do it. So that being said, our defensive front has got to come alive this week against Alabama. We're going to see a whole bunch of Nigel Harris. Um, our linebacker oh, core, gosh. we do a really good job of going east to west but like Travis to tell you, we've got to get better at the point of attack of getting downhill and meeting guys in the hole and shedding those blocks quicker right. so that you can get off that block and get into there and make a tackle on the running back before he gets going. So a lot of it is, too, Owen Papo is having a great season. and He's still growing body-wise size. You know, he's kind of an undersized yeah. linebacker that's really playing at a high level. And then you look at McLean. He's not a huge linebacker. Uh, he's kind of, kind of in the same boat. Like both of these guys are fast linebackers. Like they can cover, they can get out east to west. But coming downhill, when you get those big tackles and those big guards pulling on you and, and they're getting on you at the point of attack, they have got to find a way to be able to shed some of those blocks and get off and try to make some of those tackles in the hole. And and Newkirk, Newkirk, we need a big game from Newkirk against, against Alabama mm-hmm. to even have a chance. He has got the – you know, he's going to get double team. Uh, that's part of it. But he have got to get off the ball at the point of attack and and help us stop some of these run plays. And then Big Cat Bryant, you know, he had a, a big game as far as like rushing the passer. But a lot of his responsibility is setting the edge. Um, you know, he's got yeah. to set the edge this week. And these guys got to know it's coming. When you see a team run for 200-some yards against you, guess what? The next week, yes, Alabama has a great passing attack. 
But don't think they're not going to say, we're not going to try to come out and run the ball. We just saw Tennessee do it and then utilize the play action 100%. off of it because that's the game plan. We'll come out running the ball and, hey, guys, we'll use play action, make them put a safety in the box. So now McCrary, uh, he's probably going to go one-on-one with Smith. That's a tough answer. That's a tough, yeah. tough job. But, you know, we can't hang a safety to his side, give him some help, and leave the other safety in the box and let him help with the run. So, you know, make someone else beat you. If someone else beat you besides Smith and Harris, then so be it. But those two guys, we definitely got to put a, a red dot on them and make sure that we know where they're at at all times. Uh, I mean, this one's going to be a very, very tough test for our defense. And honestly, I hope that we see a variety of looks and, and kind of try and mix. Because here's the thing with Mac Jones, and I guess we're kind of getting into our preview uh, at this point. Mac Jones has is arguably the most composed quarterback in the country. He literally never looks frazzled. Now, granted, he has a brick wall in front of him <laughs> that's giving him great protection right now, but he does. He has great release, great instincts, and he just he has that thing, that that composure. He doesn't get frantic. And so I think that our defense is going to have to get creative on how they affect him because I don't think you're going to be able to do the same type stuff that you attempted with a guy like Garantano because their skill sets are just so various across the board. But Max composure is something that is a very rare thing. That's not like a teachable thing either. He just has it. And so I hope Kevin Steele kind of goes, goes back a little bit and finds some different looks, creates some confusion, maybe show blitz, but then bail. Like different pressures that I think could create some confusion for him more than just trying to get him to a fran frantic place because that's not his game. Mm -hmm. But I do fully expect that they're gonna they're gonna implement the run game against us, especially coming off a very poor performance against a Tennessee run game that is nowhere as impressive as Alabama's. So definitely will be a difficult task for our defense in front. I, I think the corners are steadily improving, but there's still a good bit of room for improvement, even just tackling in space, different things like that. So I think defensively, there's a lot that you can turn on the film and see from this Tennessee game that is going to have to be a different narrative when you face Alabama this week. So in preparation for that one, we all know how important the Iron Bowl is, okay? It is every year. There's so much that rides on this rivalry. It runs deep, and this is an emotional game. It is every year. We also are going to be in Tuscaloosa. We have talked plenty on Bo Nix's different differing performance at home versus on the road. So that's going to be an element of this as well. We've got a couple question marks in terms of personnel, including Tank Bigsby. So this one has has a lot of, of difficulty for this Auburn team. But if there is a hole in Alabama's gameplay, what is it and how does Auburn exploit it? There you go, Taylor. Not so fast, my friends, as you always hear on ESPN College <laughs> Game us, Day. Um, Alabama, Auburn has a history of going to Alabama and handing them L's. Um, yeah. Let's go back to 2000. 2000, I was on the team, redshirt freshman. We go to Alabama and we win an ugly game, 9-0. to 2002, we go back to Alabama. I'm starting this year. We have no running. No Carnell Williams. And we had Trey Smith. And we go in there and we beat them 17 to 7. Now, 2004, we was expected to win convincingly. We went in there. We was down 6 to 0 at the half. Now, two of it was our fault. We turned the ball over and then, you know, but at the same time, they played hard. So, but we came back and we scored on every every drive we had in the second half and ended up winning the game uh, convincingly in the second half. But I say that to say this. 
when you're playing an iron bowl, throw all the records out the window, you know, who's ever hurt. Don't worry about it. Like it's the iron bowl. If you, if you got a scholarship and you're either at Auburn or Alabama or any other sec school, that means you probably play good football in high school. So this is your opportunity. And the best thing that Bo has going for him in this ball game is you're not going to have the 95 to 100,000 Alabama fans in there going crazy where you haven't tried to communicate right. with your offensive line and your receivers. So there should be no false starts on offense. Um, there should be no jitters that much because it's not like that when you pull up to the stadium, which I love, and it's a whole bunch of Bama people just hollering all kind of crazy hate words at you. And you just look at them and smile and just say, I want to see what that face looked like after we put this butt whipping on you. And that's yeah. what you like <laughs> to see. So going to this game, yeah, it's supposed to be, what, 20,000 fans? We know they're going to put about 40,000 in there. It's Alabama. Of course, it's the Iron Bowl. It's, it's Thanksgiving <laughs> week. Somebody's sneaking in the stadium. Totally. There's going to be 40,000 fans there. But guess what? Auburn got to go in this game with the mentality of we're going to play just like we did last year. We're going to play hard nose. We're going to create turnovers. And how you do that, Matt Jones played a heck of a game last year. But what hurt him? We got those two pick sixes. Those two turnovers hurt him. Yeah. And we did it by disguising our coverages. Like, we did some great things last year at Coach Steele. He disguised coverages against Joe Burrow in LSU. He did the same thing against Matt Jones. Like I said, like, yes, they both threw for a lot of yards. But they, but the thing with Matt Jones, he had those two pick sixes because – he got fooled with the defense of what we was doing on the back end. It sh- we showed him one thing and right. did another thing at the snap of the ball. This is what you got to do against him because he's a really good quarterback. Like you say, yes, he's standing back there behind that brick wall. I can take probably five quarterbacks mm-hmm. from the SEC and put behind that brick wall, and they'll have great seasons. But I give him credit as far as this. He does have great composure, though. Like I doesn't really see him get rattled. I don't know if it's because they haven't been behind much and he don't know what that feels like. Right. Or – you know, or he just hasn't been hit enough where he has got to get up off the turf and, and and after taking punishment after punishment after punishment. So people react differently when you're getting your butt hit. So I like to see us blitz him early, yeah. get some hits on him. Don't give him time to stand back there and let, you know, Smith run those post-corner post routes, which take a time to develop, but they're big gainers. Don't give them time to do it. Let them blitz them. Make them get make the ball come out of his hand quick. And on the back end, when that happens, right. we got to be ready to tackle on the back end. Like our safeties and corners have got to be ready to tackle. Like we can't let them, let them just sit back there. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a dog fight. I do think, uh, yes, you know, people probably got Bama picked in the spread uh, and everything, maybe 10 or more, but that's okay. That's okay. Like Auburn, go in there and show what you're about. Like at the end of the day, I want you to walk off the football field knowing you did exactly what you supposed to have done and gave yourself a chance to win. Because we have not seen Auburn play up to the football caliber team that Auburn can play up to this year. We can say the LSU game, but LSU is not the, the same talent as they're used to being. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like to see this game, us just really come out and show who we really are. Oh, yeah. This will be the toughest test by far. Like it's not even a comparison. So this will have to be the best executed game that Auburn has played thus far. But I think if there's a weakness to this Alabama team, which I know those two words don't even go together, but (laughs) if you're going to find one, it's on the defensive side of the ball. This is a very potent offense, and it's going to be a very tough test for our defense. But 
their defense, actually going back to the beginning of the season, you really saw the impacts of how unconventional the offseason has been. And then Coach Saban made headlines saying that the defensive side of football across the country is affected more by time off and, and not having spring ball and things like that. Limited time for these guys to actually hit and play contact. So I think that it's been a topic of conversation for this Alabama team that while they're still elite, this defense has some holes. And keep in mind, the Ole Miss game was a very high-scoring, very close game. Like, mm-hmm. Ole Miss was able to put up points on Alabama. I think that while we're saying there needs to be a cre- creativity and coverages and looks on the defensive side, this this is the week that you dig into the playbook if you're Chad Morris and you pull out some uh, some creativity, Some you take some risks early, and, and you really kind of try and run it down their throat a little bit, utilizing Schwartz in creative ways, getting the tight ends involved in the pass game. Heck, maybe hit the running backs in the receiving game. Like, these, this is the time to get creative offensively too, because if you're going to find something to exploit for Alabama, it's the defensive side of the ball. So I'm very excited to see this one. If nothing else, the iron bowl is always so much fun and so entertaining. And I just hope that this Auburn team is able to bring their best and, uh, and, and give them a good performance. All right, let's talk about basketball real quick before we wrap this up as basketball seem- season is about to begin News has come out that, uh, unfortunately for Auburn, they we have opted to self-impose a one-year postseason ban in response to an NCAA case that has generated a notice of allegations. This goes back to the 2017 case against former assistant coach Chuck Person dealing with bribery charges, and so there is still a pending punishment for Auburn to take on from the NCAA. And it, it's kind of weird the way the basketball like system handles this because the school gets to choose in some way, question mark, Mm -hmm. their punishment. And so Auburn looked at this situation and saw that this season is the best of the worst kind of thing, I guess. Like if you're going to have to take on this punishment, this is the season to do it for a variety of reasons. One, this season's already not going to be normal. There's already going to be limitations. Heck, if we even have a postseason, that'll be impressive. But This team also lost a lot of starters. This season was already going to be looked at as a bit of a rebuild year. And as we all know and have seen in, you know, the media lately, they are racking in a lot of commits right now, a lot of highly touted recruits Mm -hmm. that will be here the season after. So you don't want to risk getting their postseason run taken away because that likely is going to be another great shot for Auburn to go far. So it, it makes sense when you're having to make a decision like this. It's just unfortunate that you have to make a decision like this. And it's going back to a time when these players weren't even here. These players weren't involved, and yet they're having to take on the punishment for it. But uh, what are your thoughts on this news, the decision that the university and the athletic department made to go ahead and take this on now? Well, I think it's a very smart decision. Uh, like you said, you you did all your homework. I tell everyone, Taylor, you're the best. So you're moving up quickly in the rank <laughs> of, your, Thanks, of your profession. Now, it's smart because, like I said, we are rebuilding this year. You know, we lost a ton of guys yeah. last year, and we do have one of the top five recruiting classes in basketball coming in this upcoming this next year. So if you're going to take mm-hmm. a chance and, and, and everything and say, okay, we're not going to go to the postseason, which a lot of people haven't even picked us to make the postseason, then you go ahead and just say, right. okay, we're going to eliminate ourselves this season from the postseason because it's not the same. Like, Yes, we're going to have fans at the game, but from what I've heard, there can be no one on the first level. 
So everyone can be on the second level at the games, but not that first level. So the game's already going to be a little bit differently. And then we're not even sure if we're going to have our starting point guard, the highly, t- highly ranked, uh, no Cooper, you know, we're going to have him. Yep. So, you know, it just makes sense to make this decision. Now go ahead, you know, take your lumps right now. And while you're in a rebuilding mode, and prepare yourself to to come to be able to be able to bounce back with the best probably basketball recruiting class Auburn has ever had coming in, and mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. and like you said, not take that away from them to have that opportunity to make a run. You know this could be the new Fab Fab Five. I know that's coming in if these guys yeah. stay together, and if Sharif is able to, you know, all of a sudden get eligible, and he's able to stay and not go play overseas would be great. Um, so. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see. We'll see. But this is uh, this is not a surprise. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Auburn did the right thing by getting ahead of this and just taking our lumps right now and, and not having to deal with this in the future. Right. It, it's kind of one of those rip the Band-Aid situations like it's inevitable. So you might as well just go ahead and, and bite the bullet, get it done. Bruce Pearl did say, you know, it's disappointing for guys that are, uh, you know, sophomores, juniors last year, their postseason hopes got ripped away because of COVID. And now second consecutive year before season even starts, you already know the finish line is before postseason begins. And that's really tough and discouraging as an athlete. And look, a lot of these talented guys don't plan on playing college ball more than two years anyway. So it definitely carries a lot of weight. And as an athlete, I can imagine you actually, you speak on this for me. If you are a few days away from starting your season. And believe me, this decision is not a blindside for these players. You know they have been aware of these conversations and the pending decision and all of that. But it is official few days before season begins and you get told postseason is a no-go. Well, like I say, I say this, you're exactly right, but the eye in the sky don't lie. And what I mean by that is what you put on tape, no matter if you're playing on a losing record team one year or you're playing on a winning football team the next year, like people, you get a chance to show who you really are when your back is against the wall. And right now these guys know that they can't go play for a championship. Hey, look at us, 13-0, and undefeated, 2004. Didn't get a chance to go to the national championship game. You know, like out of having a toughest schedule out of all three, three teams that was considered to play in that game. And, we can only control what we can control. And then you look at 1993. Yeah. Auburn had undefeated uh, football team. Really good football team. Didn't get a chance to have a SEC championship game. Didn't get a chance to play in a bowl game. But they still had a year to remember. So you still can make this thing a year to remember because guess what? There's not a lot of high expectations for this basketball team this year because the excitement is always there because Bruce Pearl has done an outstanding job. But they ranked mm-hmm. us 80-something in the country, like preseason. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for these guys to say, you know what, you want to rank us 80-something? Okay, we're going to show you what we got. So don't take this – don't look at it and say, oh, man, we don't get a chance to play in the postseason, the, you know. Because guess what? Guys, you don't even know if there's going to be a postseason. Like, we're still in COVID right. season. And so you can't control that aspect of it. And the other part of it is you can't even really control, like, the ins and outs of how this season is going to operate. Because if one person mm-hmm. tests positive, you're on a basketball team. And guess what? It's only, what, 12 players, 12 to 15 players? So if right. one person gets affected, right. that means if you miss three to four guys, that hurts you a whole lot worse than it does in football. You know, a whole right. lot worse in football. So, 
you know, they've got to just think about this. Look, we just got to stay, stay the course, try to stay as healthy as possible. School is out. Kids are not coming back on campus until after January the 1st. So this is an opportunity for them to grow together, be together. You're isolated away from everyone. So you can kind of protect yourself away from COVID and, uh, and just go out there and put your best foot forward because looking at Clay Thompson injury, like this man is one of the mm-hmm. best shooters of all time. And he tours mm-hmm. ACL year before he comes back and he's a month away from the season starting and Terrace is Achilles. Here's one of the best mm-hmm. shooting guards to ever put a uniform on. And you're missing two years back to back. So guys, you may mm-hmm. be missing a postseason for two years in a row. Imagine not being able to lace your shoes up and play basketball, something you love for two years in a row. Right. So as much as we like to focus on like how hard it is, sometimes we just got to adjust our mentality and adjust our thinking in in difficult situations and difficult times. Like right now, let this mold you into being a a stronger person, a better person. Let them mold you to being a better teammate, a better player. Like let this mold your future. Like so – this is an opportunity yeah. for these guys to come together rather than worry about what they can't not have or not have because no one knows what the future holds. You all get control right, right now. Right. That is so well put and such a good point that so many guys, girls, athletes in general have been a part of really special teams and really special seasons. And you will have those memories and those experiences forever. And a lot of them didn't include a postseason. So there's still so much to gain from this season. It will be a rebuild year. So it'll be a great time for these guys to kind of find their rhythm and and their continuity of personnel in preparation for the next season and then go lights out the next year. So Mm -hmm. that's certainly what we hope for. I did wanted to follow up because you did touch on Sharif Cooper uh, and the question marks surrounding him right now. So for anyone that does not know, our star freshman Sharif Cooper actually hasn't even been practicing in recent weeks because he is still awaiting the findings of an NCAA investigation into his eligibility. Uh, So some of his reps have actually been contacting professional teams overseas in Europe and Australia in case The NCAA does not clear him to play this season. Now, a source says his desire is to remain at Auburn this season. That is his hope and his dream is to play at Auburn. But if it's not a possibility, if they don't certify him to play in the NCAA, he doesn't want to go a year without playing. So that's kind of where things stand with him right now. It does make me think that maybe that even was an element to the decision to forego postseason this year if they know that this guy is also a question mark. It just was the the thing that made the most sense. So that's kind of where things stand for this basketball program. The final thing I wanted to touch on, congratulations, are in order for Isaac Okoro, obviously our former forward, who just got drafted fifth overall to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I just think that that – That is a testament to what Bruce Pearl is now doing. I fully expect Auburn to continue to put very viable NBA options out there because the program is rebuilt. It's not just rebuilding. Since Bruce has gotten there, he put his actions to his words and everything has started to completely turn around. We have talked about this so many times, like the basketball culture when I was in school compared to what it is now, night and day different. And so it's no wonder that these very talented athletes want the experience of coming to Auburn. 
That'll do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Goodness gracious, it's the Iron Bowl. I just got a little anxious when I said that. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's really here. But I hope everyone has a good time watching it, and hopefully this Auburn team is able to uh, surprise everybody, hopefully including Alabama. So make sure, everyone, you tune in and pull them through to, fingers crossed, a victory. It would certainly be a big one for this Auburn program. And also, everyone have a very happy and blessed Thanks. Thanksgiving. Uh, Jason and I are very thankful for all of you who listen to us as we get to talk about our beloved university. I'm very thankful to be an Auburn grad, very thankful to work with Jason every week. And so we hope that everyone, you know, 2020 has been weird, but there's always a lot to be thankful for. And so make sure you count your blessings this week. So everyone have a great time. Go eat that turkey, watch the Iron Bowl. And Jason and I will talk with you all next week. And check out the Auburn basketball team Friday night, 11 Eastern against Gonzaga. It should be a good one. So get a little preview of what our team may look like. And like Taylor said, I'm very thankful to be able to work with her. I'm very thankful for family. Thankful to be an Auburn grad. And guess what, guys? So much has happened in 2020. We all just should just say we're just thankful for another day and thankful for an opportunity to be able to have Thanksgiving and another opportunity to be able to make things better, make the world a better place. So Mm -hmm. we can all do this. You know, it's been bad, but guess what? It's, it's had its good parts, too. It's brought us a little bit closer together from a standpoint of understanding what's going on in the world, what's going on in life, and the things that we used to take yeah. for granted that we would no longer take them for granted once things are really give us the opportunity to come back to some form of normalcy. So it's up to us to how yeah. we approach that and how we do it. So be thankful for what we have and what we opportunities we have to do. And like Taylor said, we'll see you all next week. Love you guys. Appreciate it. Keep supporting the podcast. Thank you. War Eagle to that. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.